This Talking Flutes podcast is kindly sponsored by Trevor James Flutes, making life sound beautiful. You can show them some flute love by following them on Instagram at TJ Flutes, Trevor James Flutes on Facebook, and at trevorjamesflutes.com. Hello everybody and welcome to Talking Flutes Extra with me, Jean-Paul Wright. Now I've known this, I wasn't going to say young lady because compared to me she's still very, very young. Well actually no, not very, very, she's going to hit me even if it is via Zoom. She's going to slap me via Zoom. This young lady who I've known for a, a very long time and because I've known her for a long time I'm actually going to read about her from her website ginaluciani.com just so that I can get a flavour of Gina because otherwise mine would be so so laid back and just so unflattering even though it's a brilliant brilliant (laughs) player that I think I need because it's Gina to actually be a bit sensible for a moment so flutist or flute player or flautist whichever way that you call it flutist Gina Luciani has a diverse career in music that includes recording for top film and television soundtracks and main stage live performances Gina has been the flute soloist on six times Oscar nominated film Minari she was a member of the band for Kanye West's Sunday service including at the Coachella Music Festival and also performed alongside legendary artists such as Ariana Grande, Carrie Underwood, Billy Idol, Julia Michaels, Chance the Rapper, DMX, Guns N' Roses, Hanson, Hans Zimmer, John Williams, Josh Groban. It just keeps going on, doesn't it? Pete Townsend, the Who, I noticed. In fact, Gina is not only a brilliant flute player, she's a recording artist and a social media influencer. So, without further ado, welcome Gina. Thank you for the warm welcome. That was so, so kind of you. Uh, it's my pleasure. It's uh, evening in London and it is morning in LA. What's the weather? I'm going to have to ask it because what's the weather? Because uh, I know LA is one of these, uh, we would call it in the UK, Marmite. So it's, it's, it's do you know Marmite? I, I don't know. Right, mm-hmm. Marmite is, it's this um, spread and it's made from yeast and you either love Marmite or you hate it. There isn't this midpoint. And I think, for me, L.A. is like Marmite for many people. I actually like L.A. I, I just think L.A. is more than just Los Angeles. There's so many parts of it. Uh, and you live in a beautiful part, one of my favourite parts, don't you? Yeah. I mean, the thing that I love about it here is just it does provide so many opportunities, especially as a musician. And the weather, uh, you can't really beat the weather. It's fantastic here. Yeah, Gina lives near one of my favourite places, which is Santa Monica. And uh, yeah, there's one reason why Disneyland in Anaheim is always very hot, because it's inland, isn't it? Always much warmer inland. (laughs) (laughs) So Gina, brand new year. New, New year, new you. And that's not you, as in Gina, but it's you, the listener. And we're just running this little series of new podcasts to say that each year you can choose to wake up on January the 1st and go through the whole month of January and February and March and not make any changes. Or you can say, okay, I'm going to make changes this month. And it's never too late to make a change, is it? And the new you, so that can be a new year on everything, on everything you want. It means you can be practicing smarter. It can be 
you're listening to yourself more, you're not being, not having self-loathing if you're not playing that well. And one reason why I wanted to ch- uh, touch base with you today, Gina, is because your new project, you've done something that I think is going to be very important to flute players around the world, which is your journal. And before we talk about the journal, I find it really interesting because I, I write stuff down in my diary. Uh, but because I write it down in my diary, I write lots of other things down in my diary, and it's not really specifically musical link, musically linked. So if I want to go back and find out anything that I've done in the past, I find it really, really awkward to get the information. Tell us about your journal, because th- I've seen sneaks of this, and it looks beautiful, it looks quite complex, but educational and fun. Well, thank you. Yes. So the uh, notebook that I have, it's called Practice Notes. And um, like the tagline under it is the practice notebook for musicians. So the reason I created this is because just like you were saying, you know, you want to kind of like look back on what it was that you wrote. So when I was studying music, when I, you know, before I went to college, I had all these just, I call them floating sheets of paper because my teacher every single week would give me a sheet of paper and write down what I was supposed to be practicing that week. And when I was younger and my mom was helping me a lot with practicing, those would actually make it into their binder that they were supposed to be in. And then once I started practicing more on my own and I got a little older, I would a lot of times lose those uh, different practice sheets. And in a a lot of ways, I, I feel like it hindered me just because I didn't really know what I was supposed to be practicing this that particular week and practice you know a lot of I think a lot of people do go through practice in that same kind of way it's like I'm just going to practice and there's no actual reason to be practicing which I can talk about more later but I think it's really good to have intentional practice and that's going to be the best way to improve and another way in which I feel like it hindered me is just I wasn't able to look back and see what I did and a lot of times with music uh, especially you know it's just the same as working out like it's a little tiny progress at a time and that can be really incredibly frustrating because you don't feel like in the moment like that you're making any improvement and you feel like I'm putting all this time into this I'm not seeing improvement but if you actually look back at a couple weeks prior maybe a month maybe three months maybe six months you'll actually see actually you did improve a lot and so that was a big reason as to why I didn't want it to be uh, an app. Originally, I considered, I, I had this original idea for Practice Note three and a half years ago. So I've <laughs> done a lot of um, research and just, you know, thinking about it, like what is the best way for people to be practicing? And I was considering an app and I thought, oh, that would be easier. But ultimately, I just realized it's so much, you learn so much more from, I mean, there's been so many studies done that you learn so much more from physically writing rather than just tapping something on your screen. And then ultimately, I also wanted people to be able to actually see their pro- their progress. At least on, for me on my phone, one of the things that I um, track is I have an Apple Watch, and so I'll track like, you know, did I close my rings this, you know, today and stuff. But I'm not looking back a, a month ago. I'm not looking back even usually like two or three weeks prior. And so that's what I think is really special about um, practice notes. So the gist of practice note is essentially just it is a practice notebook that you can use in your daily practicing. And the way that I made it is very versatile. It can work for 
any type of music that you're playing, any type of instrument, or if you're a vocalist. I also made it so that you can start it at any time of the year. I thought that was really important because ultimately you're going to either start music or start practicing in a certain way at any time of the year. And I wanted it to be able to be incorporated when it worked best for whoever the user is. Also, another thing that I did is instead of, you know, having it start either Sunday or Monday, I have that also customizable that you can write in because let's say you're using it in a school kind of setting, then probably your week, your, your week starts on Monday in that sense. Whereas if let's say your lessons are, you, you take private lessons and they're on Wednesdays, maybe you'll, your week starts on Wednesday. So I wanted that to be customizable. And then of course you can use it either by yourself or with a private teacher or with a teacher, like um, for some type of ensemble, whether it's, choir or bands or orchestra or jazz band or whatever it is that you're in. So there's a lot of different ways of using it, but the main components of it are at the very beginning, there's practice advice. Then you have your main practice sheets. There's two pages, one to write down what it is you're practicing that week and write, you know, mark off what stuff you practice. And then there's an area on the other side that you can write down questions you might have or goals for that week and, you know, things along those lines. And then there's a goals aspect. You have your, at the very beginning, you have your yearly goals. And we talk about how to set up goals to set your, yourself up for success. I think a lot of people end up getting very frustrated because they don't set like achievable goals. So I, we talk a lot about that in the book. And so we have like your big long-term goals, but then we also set smaller monthly goals. So there's that. And then finally, there's um, at the back, there's a thing called trackers to keep track of a lot of, you know, your repertoire and the things that you accomplish throughout the year so that, you know, it, it can be used for creating a bio or a resume, but it can also just be, you, you know, the goal is you get one of these every single year. And then maybe you look back three years prior to see like, what did I actually work on that year? What did I accomplish? You know, things like that. So it's just another way to have a snapshot of what you actually accomplished that particular year. So that's, that's practice note. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it sounds wonderful. Now, where is the starting point? So you open up the book, and, and it's not a thin book, everybody. Gina's put a lot of work into this. This is yeah. quite a thick publication. What would be your baseline? Because everybody coming in will have a different idea of their starting point. How do you create a realistic starting point and a realistic goal? That's a really great um, question because you're right. Everybody has different opinions on this. And again, I made it broad in the sense that like if somebody has a very specific teaching style, then hopefully this will be able to work for them. But it also is still specific enough to give you advice that I think everybody would be able to use. So the biggest thing in terms of like the goals that I go a very in depth about is just talking about setting realistic goals. So for instance, let me give you an example. Let's say you're going to be doing a competition. So an unrealistic goal is saying, I will win that competition because there's a lot that is out of your control for that. And if that doesn't happen, you're going to get frustrated and you're like, I didn't meet my goal. But ultimately, there's you can't fully make that happen on your own. There's so many more things going into it other than just you and how you perform. Now, a realistic goal would be, I'm going to 
feel very prepared for this competition or I'm going to make sure to memorize my pieces for this competition or I'm going to practice consistently for one month prior to the competition. Those are things that you can physically do on your own that I think are much more of a realistic goal. So talking about things like that, I think it's important to talk about smaller goals, things that you want to accomplish in the near future, as well as things that you want to accomplish in a year or five years or 10 years so that you have a path and as, and you kind of have an idea of like where you're going. You're not just you know, like if you're driving, you're not just driving aimlessly, you have a destination. Now, maybe you decide, ultimately, I don't want to go to that destination. And that's fine to deviate from that. But um, I think it's important to at least have that destination so that you have a purpose for your practice. If you have that purpose, it'll make it a lot more fun. And will actually kind of give you an idea of what you should be practicing. And from my perspective, I've always written stuff down just because otherwise you're in a rudderless boat. You're going around in circles without rudder and you can never or very rarely pinpoint where something has go, gone wrong. If you go for an audition or a competition and you don't play very well, there is various reasons for that. And ultimately, you have to ask the question, have I prepared well enough for that? Now, if you haven't got anything written down, you're relying on your gut and your gut tells, it tells fibs, it tells lies sometimes about, it, sometimes it massages the ego, say, no, it's just a bad day. If you've got stuff written down and you've got a plan written down, you can go back and assess that plan and say, ah, did I genuinely do it properly? You're setting your goals, you're setting realistic goals. If you don't reach those goals, you have a pathway to actually walk backwards and say, are there any gaps? Did I actually do everything I was going to do? Yep, absolutely. And and that's what every single month it talks about, like, what were the goals that I accomplished that I had set out to do this month? And then it says, what are things that I still want to work on or things that I want to change? And so I think, you know, it's good to be a, if you're able to adapt also and understand those things, I think it's really important to just be like aware of what your intention is behind your practice and why you're playing music in the first place. So I think that that's, incredibly important to to have that and like you said having it written down so you can say you know what I did practice all my pieces for 30 days prior to the competition but I didn't practice my scales maybe that had something to do with it or whatever it may be so um definitely writing it down and being able to analyze that and see what's working for you what's not working for you what you can make better I always uh, in the book one of the quotes I have is practice smarter not harder I I think it's really important for people to realize that just because you practice two hours every single day doesn't mean that you had good practice. There's other people that might have practiced yeah. for 30 minutes and been more productive than somebody who practiced two hours, just depending on how they practice. And that's a key when you're doing a journal, isn't it? To actually chunk your practice routines, your practice plans accurately. If you don't have a journal, as you say, sometimes you just pick up the flute, you aimlessly play your T and G, you do your scales, and then you'll go straight into music. But if you've got it written down, you can be much more disciplined and cover all bases in a set period of time. Yeah, absolutely. And so, for instance, there's a whole section talking about how to, pra uh, how to structure your practice. So it talks about the importance of warming up and scales and, you know, like an estimated amount of how much time you should allot to those and everything. So I think 
you know, every instrument, every person is going to be different and they can customize things to whatever it is that works best for them. But it's just a general idea of things that you should be incorporating into your practice that will uh, guarantee success for you. Do you think it's also important in, when, in this journal to write down how you're feeling on a certain day? So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. That's another thing that I have. It's not a daily thing just because I know some people just, it's kind of like an entry point for the person. Some people don't want to talk about their feelings every day, but I did want, if people feel comfortable every month, I have a whole section of, I don't know if this is going to focus so you can see, but it says, how are you feeling? And there's spaces there and um, that you just, you know, fill in whatever face. And if you don't feel like you want to expand upon that, that's fine. Um, but if you want to expand, that's also great. Like maybe you're ecstatic and you're like, I had a breakthrough this week. You know, I realized, you know, X when I was practicing my piece and, oh, wow, now everything makes sense. Or maybe you're frustrated and you're like, I don't understand this. And that's really important going forward because either if you're practicing on your own, you need to figure out what that issue is so that you're not frustrated anymore. If you have a teacher, you can bring it to your teacher and say, why is this happening? What can we do to fix and, you know, come up with a solution? And then also there might be things in your practice that are out of your control. So for instance, this week I had a lot of homework and I didn't have time to practice and I'm very frustrated about that. And then maybe you can assess that and say, you know what? I actually watch TV every day for 30 minutes. So maybe I could take a little bit of that time that I was watching TV and put it towards my practice or something like that. But um, that's there to definitely help people, you know, think about those things and how they're feeling in their practice that week. And that's another great way to help you improve or at least help you come about practicing in a, a positive manner. I think that's really important. If you're going into practice and you're just not feeling good, you're not happy, it's not going to be a good practice session usually. Yeah, I'm old school and I'm an English gentleman and we've always been taught to repress our feelings, you know. But as musicians, you need to be able to track back. So if you've had a good performance, how were you feeling beforehand? How was your rehearsal leading up to it? How was your practice? I think it's important to put your emotions down because if you have a bad performance or a bad rehearsal or a bad practice session, you can normally track whether that's how you're feeling inside. And if you're feeling like that inside, are there causals to that? You know, is there a cause and effect to that? Is, is something else sort of affecting the way you're practicing? Or is your mind focused or it has your feelings got, o- got it over, overwhelmed the practice? So, I, I mean, I like the fact that you've included how you're feeling in that sort of really casual way because you're not demanding that they write it down, but you're just saying, okay, hi, guys, how are you feeling? <laughs> yeah, and the one thing that I tried to, you know, the, the way the verbiage is in the book, it's much more like I'm going on the journey with the person. So it's like, you got this, let's do this together. You know, how are we feeling on this? Things like that. Because ultimately, like, I want, I can't physically be there for everybody's practice, but I wish I could be. And so I just want it to feel a lot more personal. Every, all the writing, I've seen other practice books that sound like a textbook, and just completely purely educational and which is fine that's there's nothing wrong with that however I just wanted to make this very easy to read like it sounds like it's 
coming from me because it is coming from me. And so it's not formal in any sense. Like I'm talking, like I'm talking right now. So um, I wanted to make it just very user friendly, very easy to read. And it doesn't just feel like you're doing more schoolwork again. Practicing should be fun. So that's, that's really important to me. Do you know if it was my journal I was writing in, it would say technique, waggling fingers, brilliant. Tone, <laughs> like a car horn, like lips like car tires. It, every day it would just be, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> but your playing's amazing. I don't know what you're talking about. But, but yeah, that, that's that's a, that, that, that's the very that's the interesting point. Is that what we hear with our ears? We're going to have to be slightly more gentle with ourselves, aren't we? It's because what we are feeling is not necessarily what the audience or your teacher or the board or a panel is hearing. Yeah, absolutely. And I, th I think, um, you know, one of the things that I suggest for people to do is to get some type of microphone and record themselves, absolutely. which I think is really important because it, like you were saying, sometimes something is actually a lot better than you think it is. And you're just beating yourself up. Other times you might be trying to do a particular thing and then it might not be as effective as you think it is in your head. So it's, it's great to listen and listen back to a whole piece playing it. Like once you get to that point that you can play it from top to bottom to hear like, what are the parts that I should really be practicing right now? What's working? Things like that. I think incorporating recording yourself into your practice is, is really helpful and beneficial. So how can people get their hands on this wonderful journal of yours? Well, thank you for asking. Um, they can either go to my website, or which is just my name.com, or you can also go to thepracticenote.com, and uh, that will redirect you to my shop. I don't have a dedicated page for it yet. Eventually, I will, a whole website just for it. But um, also on my website, there is a whole page that shows you you know, a look inside of it so you can see what all it comes with and what the pages kind of look like and all of that. So um, I, if, if people are interested, I would highly suggest just looking at the website to see if, if this would be a good fit for you and your practice. It does indeed. I'm actually on the website now. That's why my eyes are not looking at you. Do you know, I love your colors. I absolutely Thank you. I, I adore the visuals. Probably the, one of the best personal musician websites I've seen, actually. Well, thank you. I'm glad you you think so. I put a lot of time into it, and I have a lot of fun designing, so it's been a lot of fun working on the website. Gina Luciani, L-U-C-I-A-N-I dot com. That's, yep. that's wonderful. And I just wish you great, great joy with this, and also people that are getting the journal, because it is so important that we write things down, that we have... We have that back channel that we can take a look back. Because if we've done things right and we've done things well, don't just think, oh, we've done that, let's move on. You know, did I do something different? Did I, do, did I change the way I looked at something? And unless you write it down, the brain has this funny way of convincing you you've done something when you haven't necessarily done something. So, yeah, journaling, and this sounds like it's the complete journal because you've got lots of practice tips, uh, lots of advice, as well as the ability for people to write things down. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the great thing about it is, too, is like, 
you know, at least for me, I'm, I'm not as awesome as John Paul is in terms of like journaling every day. I hate writing things down in terms really? of, you know, like writing. Up. Yeah, I don't know. It's just always been weird for me. So for me, for my practicing, it was just like I wanted my teacher to write down what it was I was supposed to practice. And I wanted to put an X on the things I actually practiced that day. But the nice thing is that there are spaces there for other people who do want to actually write down more. For me, it would have probably just been the X's and like, yes, I completed my practice. Oh, maybe I have a question, write that down. And then that's like, it's talking about my feelings. I don't know if that would have happened. I, I debated for a long time. I was like, should I put this in? Because that would have been really hard for me. And I ultimately, I was like, you know what? I think it's actually a really good thing. Because even if somebody doesn't feel comfortable right away, maybe they will get around to it. And it's, I think it's really important to be assessing like your feelings and how, how you're feeling about, you know, practicing that day or, or just life in general. And so um, that's why I ultimately put it there. So there's definitely space for people who want to write down, you know, like different things and, and, and use it a little bit more in a journal type of way, but also for people that are more like me that just want to write an X that I practiced this today. I am done. Hopefully, you know, people are just able to use it in the way that they want to since it is so customizable. Shall I let you into a little secret, shall I? What I do, how I write it. I never unlock my feelings because I never know who's going to open my diary. So I use plus and minuses or equals, which is my code. So if I'm, because we all go through monthly cycles, so sometimes we're feeling, re well, I do, as you know, I'm sort of really hyper sometimes. And sometimes I'm quite flat. Sometimes I'm sort of, you know, floaty, floaty. And I put a plus if I'm feeling good. I put a double plus if I'm feeling extra specially good and confident. I, f I put an equals on that day if, or that practice session, if, Things are just okay. And then I use minuses if I'm not feeling too good. And the number of minuses or the dashes will predetermine um, how I felt. So if anyone opens that, it'll just look like it's a mathematical equation. But for me, I will know. And it's, what's interesting is I can trace that back. And I know that in each month or in a, each period, there'll be some days adjoining each other where I'll have minuses. And what that means is now when I get and I'm writing a minus, I know that I might have one or two days of minuses, but the pluses are going to come back. So I just I do mine very differently. I just use I don't write personal things. I'm not feeling very well today or I'm feeling a bit low. <laughs> I love that, though. That's fantastic. I mean. That's, I think what's so important though, is to figure out what works for you. Absolutely. And I love what you said though, there about, you know, even if you have the minuses for multiple days, that the pluses are going to be coming back. I definitely yeah. like, obviously, you know, I know everybody's been talking about the pandemic and stuff so much and probably there's so much fatigue about it. But one thing I was realizing is, you know, in the fall, there was a, a, a time I was just kind of feeling meh for like about... A month um and it just felt like oh my gosh I just feel like I'm doing the same thing every day and you know I'm, I'm just stuck and nothing's happening right now and again like had I been writing this stuff down I would have ultimately at the end of the month seen like what I actually what ended up happening but ultimately now I feel like I'm in a very good place so I think that is also a really fantastic thing to to realize and I love that you pointed that out that you know, even if you're having some downtime, if you're having some minus kind of areas, like negative areas, 
that the pluses will be coming back. I love that. Especially as flute players, because not every day is the same. Your chops are different some days. Some days everything just clicks and you have this sound that just sings and other days you have to work at it. So, you, you know, some days it's effortless, some days it's a real, you know, you really have to concentrate. On other days, it, it just doesn't click. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited that there is a journal out there. You are guiding, but you're letting that person be completely honest and contained within their own environment. And I like the idea that you say it's small goals, it's marginal gains, don't try and put these big. I mean, if someone had said to you 10 years ago, what's your goal? And you said, ah, oh, to play with Ariane Grande and Kenya West. And uh, the chances of you actually doing that, if that had been your goal, would have been very little. But because it wasn't your goal, your goal, goal was to become as good a musician and flute player as you could and to create this, this life that you have, those opportunities come along but I don't think you can necessarily say, I want to be principal of the New York Met or the LA Phil. Or No, I think those, those are too specific. You know, like if you said, I want to be a principal of an orchestra, that's a lot more doable. The thing is, I mean, obviously, like let's say you said a particular orchestra, well, did they even have any auditions? Like sometimes somebody gets in there and that's about like 30 or 40 and then they don't retire or they don't they don't leave until they retire, which is, you know, sometimes 30 40 50 plus years later and you have no control over that and um you know and and so I think that's what's so important and the other thing that's so interesting is that you know in the past for me in terms of goals a lot of times I would I would look at somebody and I'm like okay I love where they are now I want to try to do what they did and the interesting thing is had even if I did every single thing that that person did I might not ultimately have ended up in the same spot, but I could have done a completely different route and then gotten to the same spot. Mm. So I think, I think that that's, that's a really interesting to see that. And I think ultimately it's about your journey as cheesy as that sounds, but you know, doing things that are right for you. And ultimately, you know, if you do have these goals and you're working and, and having an idea of where you want to go, ultimately you will end up where you should be. And maybe that's different than what you originally intended. Did I ever think that I would be designing the practice note? Uh, probably not. But did I think that I would be doing social media? I mean, even uh, when I went to college, social media other than MySpace wasn't a thing. And there was no <laughs> such thing as like a content creator or influencer or anything like that. So I would have had no idea that, you know, certain things that are part of my career were going to end up being part of my career because some of the things didn't even exist yet. So, you know, with recording, I always wanted to do recording work, but I always thought, oh, I'm going to be playing for either movies or TV. I never thought I'd be playing for Netflix or Amazon or, you know, things like that. Because again, like those streaming services, they weren't making their original content yet. So that wasn't even a possibility, you know? So it's just very, it's just very interesting how things fluctuate and Ultimately, you have to evolve with the way that the world is going, the way that your life is going, and you shouldn't just be stuck to that original idea that you once had of where you ultimately wanted to be. When I was at school, we were writing with feathers on parchment. Oh, were you? <laughs> with some ink, the quill pen in the ink, and yes, you've seen, writing in calligraphy. Yeah, if you've seen Bridgerton, if you've seen Bridgerton, that was my era. Wigs and parchment. Horses and carriage, my lady. 
I think you should bring it back. I love it. I love Bridgerton. <laughs> it, it is coming back, isn't it? It is. But I'm saying you should bring the style back for oh, now. I'd, That's I'd, I'd love to. Yeah. I'd love to. Duke of, that'd be the Duke of Hastings. He's the coolest guy, I think. It's actually, let's not talk about Bridgerton because we could. That's <laughs> a minefield, isn't it? It's, it's as bad as talking about. It squ- is. It's as bad as talking about the Squid Game, isn't it? Squid Games. I actually haven't seen that yet. I, I need to see it. Oh, but um, It is. Yeah, I was horrified on the first one. I know we're deviating here on a flute podcast, aren't we? But I know, but it's okay. It's okay. The, uh, it's all I was horrified on the first one, the amount of violence. Um, but then I was just hooked. It took me a little while to get into it, and then I was yeah. at the end of the first one. I was completely hooked, and you then just become numb to the violence contained within it but when you look from a right. social experiment it's what kids are doing on Fortnite. it's what they're doing on call of duty they're shooting people all the time so that game sort of thing is there but i found it absolutely fascinating and i know a lot of people didn't like the ending but i did and i knew because of the ending there will be a follow-on season which there's going to be right yeah yeah that's fantastic yeah i mean i that's definitely on my list things to watch there's so many good series right now recently i'm curious if you watched it have you seen the movie pig no i haven't pig oh it's so good yes i'm, um, I'm gonna write this down pig. I, it's it's about it's about A um pig. <laughs> nicholas nicholas cage is the the main the lead and he's a truffle hunter with his pig i don't want to like say anymore because i don't want to spoil yeah. anything but it's so Good. Oh, I, I honestly, it might be one of my favorite movies uh, that I've watched in the past year. And then also, there's another one that's, I believe it's on Apple called Finch with Tom Hanks. Yep. And it's so good. Yeah. And then, of course, Ted Lasso. Do you watch Ted Lasso? No, I don't, but I have to because. Oh, my goodness. You have to. I saw sort of some of the trailers, and that English woman in it is so funny. Yes. Oh. It is like, it is literally like the best TV show. And it is just so like kind, like a lot of comedies I feel like are like mean, you know, like they, they make fun of people in order to be funny. But in this one, it's like a comedy, but it's, it's like in the most nice way. I, I don't know how to explain it. It's so, it's, it's so uplifting and, and, and there's also just like so much heart in it. It's, it's amazing. My fiance and I binged the first season in like the fir- like a couple days, three, four, five days, something like that. And What's nice about it is it's all like 30 minute episodes, so it's not super long. So it's it's very digestible and very easy to watch, even if you just have like 30 minutes at the end of the day. And then the first season, I think, has 10 episodes. Second season has 12. So I would highly recommend like my favorite show ever. So you should give it a watch. More so than Shit's Creek, which I'm on my fourth time watching. <laughs> I'm watching you know, I, you're going to lose your mind. I've never seen that either. So I need to, wow. that's also on my list. For me, yeah, I need it, to watch for that me it's the most beautiful series. I mean, I'd say the fourth time we watch it again, each, each episode is 25 minutes. But it is beautiful, and it is funny, and it is clever. Again, it took me a couple to get in, but four times, we just keep going around. When we finish something, wow. there's not time to go to bed. You know, we'll just put a, the shit's Creek on, and um, oh, I just love it. That's how you know something is really good, is when you can watch it that many times, and you, it just keeps getting better. <laughs> yeah, it's like Grey's Anatomy, isn't it? There's about 5,000 series. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know how you could ever watch that oh. more than once just because it's just like another season, another season. <laughs> uh, another season, another season. Crazy. Gina, let's talk very briefly about another area of your, your activity, which I really love, which is your YouTube channel. Because, yes. yeah, you're popular on the social media channels. You're popular on, certainly on Instagram and Facebook. But let's talk about YouTube. And certainly one area of that which fascinates me, your series of what they don't teach you in music school. And you, yes. I know you chunk that on Instagram. But I, I, I like the way that you've actually taken hold of that and said, okay. I'm going to tell you what they don't teach you at music school, but what you should actually know. Yeah. Well, the, the interesting thing is I do think some more schools are starting to incorporate these things, which they should. So I'm so thankful that they are. But at least for, from my experience, a lot of these things were not things that I was taught. And I just kind of had to learn in the real world and, you know, just talking about things like, should you have business cards? What should be on your business cards? What is the best way to network? Um, you know, some of my most recent things have been like talking about instrument insurance and the importance of having instrument insurance. What should be on a website? Should you have a website? You know, just things like that. And it's, it's been interesting because I, I know you had mentioned this before when we had a talk at one point, but uh, you said a lot of these things seem obvious, but a lot of times people either haven't done them themselves or they haven't heard that piece of advice. So for me, it was the exact same thing happened is I would see these things happening in the workplace or, you know, I would talk about it with somebody and they're like, I had no idea about this. And I was like, wow, okay, well, these might maybe seem obvious to me, but maybe it isn't obvious to somebody else. And so they're very, you know, they're in the short form content. So, you know, like around 30 seconds or something like that. So very easy to watch, very digestible. And every single one you will walk away with some new piece of information and so that was really important to me to like have an easy way for people to get these little snippets and hopefully help them along their musical journey and sometimes the most obvious is the things that we don't do it's like leaving your flute in the car i've done that before and i've had i've lost it and what i do now just for, I, I get one of those little um apple you know the eye tracker things the little discs. Mm, yeah, the, the tags, right? Yeah, I've got that in, actually inside the pocket of my flute case because I'll stick my flute down in the house and think, oh, where have I put it? And I've just got on my phone and say, oh, it's, it's actually next to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the funny thing of, you know, like people, they'll be like, where are my glasses? And you're like, they're on your head, you know? Um, but that happens all the time. And it's just important to know, like, where is your instrument? There was a point, like, actually, I specifically remember there was one time I was at my sibling's guitar lesson and I had my flute lesson afterwards and I got to my flute lesson. I realized I had left my flute at the other location and where the guitar lesson was. And I was like, oh. so that would, the Apple tag would have been fantastic to have had then. But at the time, of course, there weren't smartphones or yeah. anything such as that. But yeah, I mean, those kinds of things I think are really important. Any ideas that I have or things that, you know, like, I hear people asking questions about or whatever is things that I include in the series. I find it really hard to believe that you remember when there wasn't smartphones. I know, isn't that great? I'm old. <laughs> At the beginning of this, you're like, you're so young. I'm like, actually, <laughs> I do remember. I was, I was still, you know, like the interesting thing I think with like my generation is that we remember the time without cell phones, mm. without the internet and things like that, but also it was still a huge part of our upbringing in terms of like high school and college and things like that and stuff. So 
technology was always like very important once we got to that stage. Sometimes with uh, other generations that are beyond that, it's it just depends on how much you decided to use the technology yourself. Because I know some people who are incredibly proficient like you are, but then I also know other people that are like, can you show me how to use this phone again? Like, what's this button do? You know what I mean? So it just depends. I mean, sometimes I hear like terminology and stuff from, you know, Gen Z on TikTok. I'm like, wow, I, I, I get it now that like at a certain point, you just, you get away from what's popular and trending and things like that. But yeah. So Gina Luciani <laughs> on YouTube. Now, the, you, everybody, you have to go and look at it just because it's not your quintessential YouTube site. I'm on it, as you could probably imagine. And you start, oh, yeah. you start with this, and as you should do, this is Gina playing. So she has all the flute covers. And one thing that Gina is known for is arranging, and she's a really good arranger. And they are loads of flute covers from Up Married Life, The Hedgehog, Green, hang on, I can't, I can't read that, Green Hill Zone, The Lion King, Circle of Life, and it just keeps going, Lord of the Rings, it just keeps on going. So it starts, so you get Gina as the flute player. Rather than the influencer, you get her as what you and I are, flute players. And then it goes to helpful tips and tutorials for musicians. And again, this is really, really important because you've got performance anxiety. She covers how to clean your flute, which that may sound simple, but I can assure you many people don't do it the right way. How to use the acapella <laughs> app, how to do a collab with the acapella app, how to use acapella. And acapella is when you can actually do a duet, trio, quartet, or just keep going multiple tracks with one single app and how you record it. So again, very, very important. And then you've got, this is really sweet, and it is Learn the Ocarina series. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have that as well as the the native flute. Those are two instruments that I think are really fun. And even for flute players, you know, one thing that, going back to talk about practice note, one thing that I did is, did you practice something fun? And that is solely for the person who's using practice note. It's not to show their teacher what it was that they were practicing that was fun to them, because I want that to be something personal to them. That could be playing your favorite pop song. It could be, you know, playing a piece that you just love that you're not necessarily working on at that moment. But one thing that I love doing, too, is playing either a native flute or an ocarina just because they're so much fun to play. They can be complex, but I think that in terms of just like sound production and, you know, playing basic notes much easier than a flute. And so sometimes, you know, if you're working on a lot of technical stuff on flute and it's just really frustrating or your tone's not what you want it to be, you can just pick up one of those two instruments and it's just so simple and just fun. And so, um, you know, I have a lot of students that, have especially with the native flute gotten one of those and learned how to play that because it's just you know it has such a pleasant sound just right off the bat and if you already play flute both of those instruments are very easy to uh, switch to so that's I have the series it, it I have certain ones that are dedicated for flute players like as a flute player I'll tell you like oh this is fingered like uh, E or something like that but then I also have things for people who have never played an instrument before just since they're a lot easier to learn especially without a teacher there with you so it's been a lot of fun doing that there is there is so much information actually i'm doing it an injustice there's so many different and important videos actually on your youtube channel uh, one which again flute shopping you have a tie up with flute center of new york and mm -hmm. the things you put up because you are you review and you do 
reviews of the flutes that they send you. And that's really important for people because when you go shopping, sometimes you don't have a reference point. And the, the good thing about Flute Centre in New York is they carry virtually everything. And in sending you instruments, you can play them and see how you feel. And then it is, there is a place for everything, for every product, every brand. And that's the good thing about it is that you, 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 you just say what you feel. You've got one video here, which is a $500 versus a $32,000 flute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it, again, that is a, a very important series of videos you have on buying flutes and what you should look for and not just flutes but piccolos as well and also yeah. flutes and basses yeah i mean that was one of the things too that i did is like for instance in there there's a whole like there's i think two two or three videos about like how to actually do a trial on flutes and how to actually find yes, something is, yeah. that works for you um there's also things on there of like should you buy a pre-owned instrument or should you know if you have an instrument that you're wanting to sell like what's the best way of doing that you know just different things like that different it's not just all about like the thing I didn't want it to be is I know a lot of partnerships just kind of feel like I'm selling you a product here take that you know buy this it's much more of an informational mm, thing like if you're looking at these flutes here are things that I like about them and you know, this is what they sound like. And there are a lot of options though. And, and so that's what was really important to me is I don't want to only say only get this flute and that's it. Mm. And I just want people to see that there's so many different things out there and obviously different things work for different people. And, 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 you know, you might be looking for a beginner flute or you might be looking for an intermediate flute or, you know, there's just so many different options. There's things that I talk about on there about like, you know, when should you incorporate gold into your flute, different things like that. A lot of informational videos if people are looking for a new instrument. Again, Gina Luciani on YouTube. Yeah, there is, you just do, you're, it's almost so like you spend your life creating content. <laughs> yeah, basically. No, I mean, like I try to have a very good work-life balance. The, the thing is, is I do love my work. So ultimately, sometimes it's just I am working on a Friday night and not going and doing anything else just because I love what I do. But also, I see the importance of just taking time away, which I'm going to be doing here in about a month, I'm going to be taking a couple weeks off and uh, just, you know, no work. So it'll be really nice. So Gina, thank you once again for joining me on Talking Flutes this week. Thank you for having me. And thank you all for listening. Um, you may have been noticed that I've been a bit fidgety during the podcast. It's I've been changing mics and my boom was just sort of floating down and getting lower and lower and lower. So I've actually gone to a static. So apologies if I seem to have been messing around a bit with my head. That's those that are watching this on video. So thank you again for listening. Wishing you a wonderful week ahead. And may your high be natural, be especially easy to play. And your low B in tune. Because mine never is. <laughs> Goodbye, all.
Talking Flutes and Talking Flutes Extra are podcast productions by the Trevor James Flute Company. For more information, visit trevorjamesflutes.com.